a very welcome back to part two of acronyms and buzzwords that you as a food business owner must know, must understand and must implement. So many musts there and it's a part of how to do business well. These are all essential components of how you show up, of how you demonstrate uh, what your business requires. And it's about you being the leader in that space. And as I said before, I don't always mean that it must be you that carries out freaking everything. I mean, it must be you who decides what must be carried out, what it must look like, what information needs to be captured, and then the delegation of that duty and then the check-in and the follow-up. So it is deciding if there's a, a candidate within the team that is of uh, a, an immense skill set that can carry out certain tasks, roles and responsibilities required from you as a business owner. And then it's giving them the task to do it, but it's also giving them the tools, the training, the time and uh, the skills to be that person to be able to do what it is you require them to do. And so I know that these buzzwords, these acronyms, these uh, feckin' terminology things used in, in a food business um, can be overwhelming and daunting and infuriating and frustrating and you just want to get under the freaking carpet and pretend that none of it's important. Well, I'm sorry, it is important. And that's what I mean. You bring in the people around you, you create the team around you, you build the team around you so that it is not all falling on your shoulders. So tasking and... Uh, delegating. My father, uh, very lucky to have an, uh, had an amazing father, uh, Maliki Daly, and uh, a word that he would use often was delegation. And delegation is the key to success. Um, so following up on the delegation um, and utilising the information that has been received as a result is immensely essential and valuable also. So moving on, part two, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's a head fuck, God forgive me, but it's essential. Um, so I take my hat off to you for tuning in for part two because none of this is easy. Um, and so what we're going to talk about now is a KPI that is required for food costing a food menu. So there are several, several key performance indicators in food costing uh, a cafe, restaurant or a gastro pub menu. And here are a few examples. So food cost percentage. This is the cost of the ingredients used, excuse me, to create the dish expressed as a percentage of the dish's selling price. So a food business should aim to keep its food cost percentage below a certain target, typically around 30 35%. And if you remember from part one of this, we spoke about the KPIs of how to manage the financials on a weekly basis and how food cost must be at 30 to 35%. Uh, ideal scenario, if it's going any anything above that, we're potentially in trouble depending on the other percentages required in order for you to run your business. And so this piece, you must work with your accountant. I said that because other overheads, there's other factors uh, that come into play uh, that can change this. So please do link in with your accountant. This is the rough guide in order for you to assess your business and decide what is best then for your business based on information um, assembled. So to ensure that the food cost percentage is kept at roughly 30%, you must implement various strategies to manage those expenses and then pricing effectively. 
is also critical and there are some steps. So calculate food cost percentage. The first step is to calculate the current food cost percentage. So this can be done by dividing the total cost of food used in the kitchen by the total revenue gen generated from food sales during a specific period. So the formula is food cost percentage is equal to total cost of food uh, divided by total food sales multiplied by 100 and that is how you're going to create that percentage and then you're going to have to analyze and track costs and so you're regularly analyzing and tracking uh, food costs so you're going to ident identify any cost uh, uh, fluctuations or in inefficiencies and it is up to you to understand that there may be um, issues within this space too late in time that's something where you have your head in the sand all right. So this isn't information that you can pick up on in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is information you must be picking up on daily, weekly, monthly. This is you tuning into what's actually going on. It's tasking somebody with this um, uh, job. So you're going to say, I need food cost percentage at the end of every day. So it's total cost of food divided by total food sales multiplied by 100, 100 and, uh, or at the end of the week. So decide when and where it's going to take place. Decide who's going to do it and decide where that information goes. And then ensure that you are using that information to your advantage. And so taking and identifying fluctuations or inefficiencies. Inefficiencies, it has to happen in the real time. It has to happen in this moment. That's not something you can allow to slide by, right? So we need that mindful approach where we're implementing this as a standard operating procedure of how your business does business. And so you can do this through the proper inventory management, the uh, uh, vendor negotiations, monitoring prices of ingredients. So it is staying on top of what's actually happening. And so if you thought that opening a business meant that you could be a baker or be a barista I'm sorry to tell you you're not allowed to be any of those things I'll give you permission to be that once a week twice a week max but on the other two to three days I need you uh, in other areas of your business um, so if that's who you are at this minute you're working five to seven days in specific areas with your head down your ass up and you're rejecting neglecting and hiding well that is the most dangerous position you can be in that is a position that is going to ensure that you don't live, that you don't love your business anymore and that you potentially must uh, assess your business and uh, perhaps close your business. So I'm not joking when I say these are really important to you and your business. I mean that. Um, and so then we've got menu engineering, something that I absolutely love. So the menu engineering is you're, you're optimizing the menu to be strategic strategic because you're placing dishes with higher profit margins or lower ingredient costs in certain spaces you're identifying popular and profitable menu items because you've already taken care of menu costings that's another podcast on its own i think and then you're considering how to promote them to increase their sales through menu engineering and so that's a really important piece you don't don't just write a menu because that's how it looks when you put a pen to paper it's a fucking engineering exercise. Don't dare disrespect your menu in such a way. Don't dare disrespect the food by just writing a goddamn menu with no engineering behind it. There's strategies. There's ways in which we can improve your business. So get in touch. 
and stop playing by these ridiculous rules that you see other people doing. It isn't good enough. It simply isn't good enough to be in business to do it that way. So let's implement the right strategy, the right way to do things in order to maximize. Price sensitivity is something to consider as well. So you're setting menu prices in a way that balances the cost of ingredients. And so you're contemplating customer perception. You're looking at the profit margins um, and you need to understand the, the market benchmarks and the competitors pricing strategies to stay competitive. And now I'm not saying be influenced by anyone around you. It's it's knowing what's happening around you can either allow you to sit very comfortably or it forces you to up your game. And that's what I want that awareness to do for you, uh, not for you to mirror what your components, your opposition or your competition is doing. That's not good enough. If you mirror what they're doing, you're going to make the same mistakes. So pricing a menu is actually serious body of work and it needs to be taken seriously. Another is monitoring portion sizes. Portion control is mahoosive. So if your full-time chef goes on holidays and their part-time chef um, is on, well, how are you ensuring that everything is identical? Because you as a business must ensure that it is as best to identical as it can be. And so you must implement strategies um, and procedures in order to ensure that that's the case. And that is your job as well as a food business owner. It's no one else's job. If you do not give people the tools and the skills to do this and carry out this work efficiently and effectively, well, then you have not done your job properly. I'm sorry to put the burden on you, but that's where the burden lies. It lies on you. So we have to standardise portion size across dishes because you must maintain consistency and cost control. You must cost control because we must know what's happening in the food business. We must know where our money is being directed or redirected. We must understand all of these elements and also consistency. In order to get a lifetime customer, we must offer consistency. They must know that when they come in on a Monday, a Tuesday or a Sunday to order their favourite dish, that it is identical every time or as close to identical as much as possible. It is critical for success of business. OK, so this must be a space that is discovered and uncovered and uh, a certain strategies put in place as quickly as you can. You must as well for your food cost percentage, consider negotiating with suppliers. So building those strong relationships with your suppliers, negotiating for those better prices, whether it be bulk dry items. Um, I'm not going to allow you to have fresh items in bulk because that is insanity. I'm very aware that we don't want to over bulk because I'm very aware that that cash flow cannot sit on shelves. So there's certain things, whether it's cleaning products, that there's an opportunity to get them at an immense valuable rate that's something you can consider but it's not for everything to be on the shelves full at all times by no means do I mean that you're going to consider then working with your local suppliers for fresh ingredients and potentially reduce costs that way so it is through communication that you can understand fully what's on offer to you from them and what it is you can do for them also what it is that they require from you for them to do this type of business with you so that is a phone call so you cannot be the chef or the barista because I need you to be in an office focused um, and taking care of business, negotiating with suppliers. So you need to absolutely need, must reduce food waste. So you have to implement strategies to minimise that food waste in the kitchen. It's absolutely essential. So proper inventory management is going to help. 
batch cooking is going to help. Using surplus ingredients creatively will absolutely help reduce costs. But there's so many different spaces within this area that you must take care of. It is your responsibility. So get to business, understand it, unpack it, put in place the systems required that reflect your business, your mission, your vision and your values. So regular menu analysis not carried out often enough from my experience I get to travel up and down the country continuously I'm always all around Ireland and if you follow me on my personal Instagram page uh, underscore Tracy underscore daily underscore or else Tracy daily food business coach on my business Instagram page Anyway, from my personal page, you'll understand that I get around the country quite a lot and I love to eat out. So I can tell by menus that things are not being analysed just from repeat visits, uh, from understanding what's going on. I have a sixth sense and I'm very proud of it. Um, And sometimes being a customer is quite challenging when I'm not hired to speak up because every visit I have from a personal point of view, because I love to spend my hard earned money money, putting it back into the economy that feeds me. So that's a really, it's a cyclical approach. It's very important to me. I'm very mindful of it. I'm very mindful of what it actually means to me and to the people that I make decisions to eat with. Um, And I need uh, to remind myself not to open my mouth and I'm forever leaving going, oh my goodness, if only they did this. Oh my goodness, I wonder, do they know this? Oh my goodness. Um, And as enjoyable as an experience is, because that's really important, uh, I certainly don't dwell or sit in that space for any length. I enjoy fully all of the great things that are on offer from every situation, food situation, hospitality situation that I put myself in because it's the choice I make. But uh, it's always in the back of my mind. My food business coach, hat, she is always wearing it. So the other side of me is always wearing that hat. So she's always present regardless of the fun times. Um, And so I really would love for people to get in touch and work with me because what I can do for you and your business is quite extraordinary. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of my background that allows me to be the person I am today and all of those experiences and the education behind it. I do what I do because I know what I'm doing. Um, So moving on, we've gone through food cost percentage. We've looked at areas in which you need to address. And now we're going to go to um, what is next is menu mix. Uh, I quite love this. So it's amazing. This is the percentage of total sales that comes from each menu item. And do we know for a fact what's selling and how much of it is selling? Um, So a food business needs to aim for a well-balanced menu mix. Uh, And you don't want one single item dominating sales uh, because that really is an issue. Uh, It means that your preparation behind the the scenes is null and void for everything else on your menu. It means that your ordering process is completely incorrect. If you have other things on your menu, if they're not selling, uh, it means you're going to have lots of food waste. Anyway, there's a lot of issues around that. So to measure if your food business has a good menu mix, one of the key performance indicators uh, that can be used is the revenue contribution by menu item. And so this KPI helps you to assess the overall performance of different menu items in generating revenue from your food business. So to calculate the revenue contribution by menu item, I need you to do this. So one, you're going to collect the necessary information. So you're going to gather data on the total revenue generated by each item over a specific period, such as a month. And then this data can be obtained from sales records or the food business point of sale system. Right. So we've gathered that information. 
then we're going to calculate the total revenue. So you're going to add up the revenue generated by all the menu items to obtain the total revenue for that month, for that chosen period. Then step three, we're going to calculate the revenue contribution by each menu item. So we're going to divide the revenue generated by each item by the total revenue. And then we're going to multiply the result by 100 to get the percentage revenue contribution of each item. Revenue contribution by menu item percentage is revenue from menu item divided by total revenue multiply by 100. And then you're going to analyze these results. So you're going to review the calculated percentages and you're going to understand which menu items are contributing the most to the restaurant's revenue. And this analysis will help identify the most popular and profitable dishes. And you're going to indicate a well-balanced and successful menu mix. So you're going to remove as many duds. We can afford to have one dud if the dud is dealing with crossover of ingredients because then that's clever, it's strategic, there's going to be a placement for that. It has its space, it, ha it has its place, it has its purpose. Um, but anything more than that, then it has to be reflected and reviewed. And so a good menu mix, it's just simply essential for your food business because it influences your customer satisfaction. It influences overall revenue and profitability. Um, a diverse and balanced menu will appeal to different customer preferences and it includes items with varying price points and it can attract a wider customer base and it leads to increased sales. So by regularly monitoring the revenue contribution by menu item KPI, your food business and your either owner or manager can make informed decisions about adjustments that need to be made to that menu, about potential promotional strategies, um, about introducing new items and optimizing the menu item mix. And overall, you're going to enhance the performance of your menu. And so your food business, whether it be cafe, restaurant, gastro, pub, this is quite important to understand what's happening, understand what the customers are saying inadvertently. So they're actually informing you. They are giving you valuable information through their spend, through the items that they are picking. They're telling you what's working and what's not working for your business. And so the menu mix for your food business it does involve careful planning and consideration and it does involve regular check-ins and assessment and these factors will ensure a well-balanced and profitable menu so industry recommendations and guidelines are always there but this information you must put into place you must decide what it is your business must achieve so for menu planning and engineering you're going to start by finalizing the list of menu items and then you're going to categorize them into sections such as breakfast lunch dinner starters mains and desserts and then you're going to conduct menu engineering which this involves analysing the popularity and profitability of each menu item to determine the placement on your menu. So this is really, really, really important. Don't take it for granted. This is a game changer for you and your business. So you need to then for your um for further investigation, you must look at your menu costs, concept and cuisine. So you have to define your food business concept and the type of cuisine you want to offer. You need to know your identity. Uh, you simply can't be all things to all people all of the time. And that choppy, changey attitude will actually get you into trouble because people will then not fully understand why it is they're going to you because you keep changing everything. And so this will help you determine the overall theme and style of the menu. Uh, it allows you to achieve that consistency in offering as well. You've got menu types and sections 
And so consider offering different menu types, such as, you know, for some restaurants, a la carte is really important. Uh, for other menus, uh, maybe it's groups coming in. So a fixed uh, menu could be of immense value for large groups. Um, and then you're going to organize the menu into sections because you have to differentiate. It has to be very clear and easy to read. And you're going to make it as easy as possible for your customers to navigate and to find their preferred dishes. It's about them. It's not about you. OK, you're not designing this for you. You're designing this for them. And so you need to consider then the variety in dish profiles. So having that diverse range of dishes in each section, offering a mix of flavours, textures and ingredients, that then will get you various kind of broader customer preference as well coming through that door. So you're being mindful to a degree. Again, I don't want you to be all things to all people. I absolutely want you to identify your personality uh, and your vision for the business. And I want you to amplify that with the decisions that you make. So that's really, really, really important. Um, you want to consider quantity and portion sizes. That came in earlier. Maybe it was the previous podcast. But portion size is really important. You have to determine the quantity of items to offer in each section. And then you have to understand the capabilities of the operation. So the equipment and the labour, what's on offer and does your menu make sense to what is on offer and I would say seven times out of ten food business owner operators are actually doing themselves a disservice by creating such a fucking broad menu that their kitchen capacity cannot handle it from an operational point of view uh, to um, a labour point of view um, it's just not good enough making those decisions based on yourself again and not taking anyone else or anything else into consideration is bullshit I call it out and I say bullshit um, you have to consider portion sizes because you have to ensure customers receive appropriate servings every single time when they come in you can't just chop and change it it simply isn't good enough it's unacceptable and your kitchen can not make decisions based on their uh, uh, emotional needs on a day. You're not paying them to be emotional. You're paying them to replicate a menu based on standardised recipes. That is critical for your success. Uh, you have to have a pricing strategy. So implementing a menu pricing strategy is absolutely essential. Your profitability, knowing what it is per item, uh, knowing what it looks like and then knowing what to do with that information, that makes sure that you're going to be really competitive in the market because that's a piece that so many people neglect and it is absolute fucking insanity. You have to calculate your menu prices based on actual food costs. So monitoring goods inwards, understanding that fluctuations must be addressed immediately. You cannot take the brunt for any space of time. You're not in business uh, to be a punch bag. So please stop being one. Uh, you must do recipe costing and you must um, target profit margins for each dish. So what are they? What do they look like? What's the percentage required? Uh, it's essential that you maintain a standard. Um, a menu design and descriptions. So designing the menu layout in a way that is visually appealing and easy to read is essential. Using the descriptive language in menu items uh, and provenance is of immense value because it creates a sense of excitement for your customers as they read about the dishes. So it's lovely. Uh, remember that seasonal and special offers. So these are great. They're a great use of what's going on right now uh, on the land or in the sea and how to maximise that. Uh, and also specials are fun because your energy needs to be taken care of. If you're creative and you're a foodie, you're always going to have ideas. Well, you can have ideas and put them pen to paper. 
but you're not going to implement them all of the time because if you're actually disrupting uh, a whole business because you're being a selfish asshole who has all of these creative ideas, well, I can fucking promise you your staff turnover is going to increase. Um, The disillusionment within your staff and on the floor is going to increase and the buy-in is going to decrease. So enough of that chite. All right, buckle up. This is a business, not a hobby. Let's differentiate it as such. Uh, Customer feedback and adaptation. So you're continuously collecting that feedback. We spoke about it earlier on the other podcast from your customers so you're gathering all that information from your customers and you're understanding their preferences because it's these are the people that are, are emptying their pockets they're coming to you for a reason so understand it make sure you're marrying that up when you are looking at that menu piece and make sure that you're getting it right uh, it's the only way to improve not only your business your customer satisfaction but also that menu mix as well and the profitability uh, very interesting and so writing a balanced food menu there's several recommendations that you have to consider and a balanced menu not only caters to the customer their diverse preferences but also ensures a harmonious combination of flavors textures nutritional value um and it also takes care of the business needs because there's certain profit that is must be derived from each dish in order for your business to be successful and so writing that menu based on all of this information is absolutely critical. And so there's certain things, the balance of nutritional content, it is something to be considered. Uh, don't get bogged down by it. Reach out, ask for help, uh, give a list of ingredients that you're already using and reach out to somebody that may be uh, better equipped to help uh, because it doesn't always have to be you creating the answers. And that's really important. I keep talking about this. You hire the expertise required uh, in order to relieve you from all of that pressure and stress. And so balancing that nutritional content is quite important. Highlighting freshness is really great. Uh, we love that. So many people now are cooking and freezing and reheating or else they're buying in fully prepared, reheating and selling. So knowing that there's actually freshness, this is now a USP. Imagine saying that in Ireland, if you are cooking fresh, if you are preparing fresh, you are in a niche market as a business because we no longer can get freshness on our uh, uh, on our menus and onto our tables and to our customers because of what's now going on. We've now convinced ourselves that we must not be prepping from scratch because of the cost implications of it. Well, I ask you to look at your menu. Is your menu far too big for that freshness to make sense? So really reflect, review, don't make decisions based on pressure that you feel feel is coming from the society of food businesses you're going to make decisions based on your business insights and also from your mission your vision and your values really important and i will do a podcast just on that and how we can bring that to life and what we must do to understand it fully but it is not for now to unpack but these are certain spaces that have to be considered. It's a priority. It's it's not so much that you can't take care of it. You must take care of it. And so analysing popularity and profit, profitability of the menu is really important. Understanding what's going out, what's not moving, what's staying behind, what's not liked. It really, really helps. And I need you to put your ego in your back pocket because if somebody says they don't like something, get over it. Get fucking over it. It's not working. Get over it. Move on. Either you change it, you address it, you amend it some way, which way 
you remove it entirely, you doctor it, you rejig it, you do something about it. It's not working because it's just simply not working. You weren't born to have all the fucking answers. You didn't come out of the womb being an award-winning cafe entrepreneur, a uh, gastropub entrepreneur, a uh, uh, um, um, restaurant uh, entrepreneur. You simply did not. Okay, so you're learning and you need to get that into your into your head. You are learning daily and weekly and monthly and annually. And if you are in a food business, you never stop learning. Full stop. Um, offer set menus or specials. We said that your pricing strategy, customer feedback. We've said all of that. They're all really important when it comes to understanding and unpacking the menu mix. They're all very, very important. The next thing we want to look at is the waste percentage. So this is the amount of food waste that your food business generates compared to its total food usage. So that's quite important. That makes sense. Create a picture in your head. Food waste in the bin versus the food total food usage. So your food business needs to aim to minimize its waste. Uh, we all know this. It is a, a matter of doing business well. It simply is a part of doing business well. And you're, as a result, you're reducing costs and you're increasing profits. <laughs> it's just beautiful. So this space is of immense value. So either tasking somebody with this space, giving them the tools and the skills to perform what's needed or else you're doing it yourself. So make a decision on it. But if you're doing it yourself, it means that you're creating time for this to happen as well. It doesn't mean that um, you're working late at night or on your day off. It simply must work within the schedule. So you're going to identify key items. You're going to start by identifying key items in each area of your food business where waste is likely to occur. So it includes your ingredients, it includes your prepared dishes, it includes beverages, uh, and it's any other perishable item. And so you're going to measure the usage and waste. So you're going to track the amount of each key item that is purchased and the amount that ends up as waste. So this can be done manually by recording the quantities or by using a back office integration tool like a restaurant management system uh, to automate the process. Right. So decide what your business can afford. And then you're going to calculate the waste percentage. Once the usage and waste quantities are known, the waste percentage can be calculated using the following formula. So you're going to get waste percentage equals amount of waste waste divided by total purchased quantity multiplied by 100. So if your food business purchased, say, £100 of a particular ingredient and ended up wasting £10, the waste percentage will be £10 divided by 100 multiplied by 10, which is 10%. So then you're going to analyse the data to identify areas with the highest waste percentages. This will help in you then pinpointing specific areas where improvements can be made to reduce waste. So it sounds simple. Well, if it's fucking simple, can you put it into practice, please? I give you two weeks to put this into practice where you have five days worth of data and send it to me. Send it to me. Let me know you've done it. So stop nodding your head saying, oh, that sounds great. Fucking put it into place. And us enough, we're here to actually make a difference for you. Everything I'm talking about is for you, it's not for anyone else. What we do to help ourselves makes a difference to how we live our lives. What we do to help ourselves makes the biggest difference from us creating that work-life balance. So this isn't just a recommendation. This is more than that. This is about you taking back control and running a business in such a sphere that it 
is of value to you and everyone around you and everyone within it. So these changes are essential for all of that to occur. Moving on. You're going to analyze that data, as I said. So you're going to an analyze the data to identify areas with the highest waste percentages. Imagine knowing that information. Then you can implement waste reduction strategies. So once the areas of high waste are identified, you're going to implement strategies to reduce waste. I have a client who um, peels their own potatoes um, and it's just what they do. They're, they're not buying a machine for it uh, because after they realized that peeling the potatoes was actually gaining so much waste for the business, they decided that if they peeled the, the potato with the thicker skin, so the skin then has the potato um, as part of it, that is thicker. So the potato in itself is smaller and the thickness of the skins of potato are thicker, that they've now created a dish on their menu of potato skins. The potato skins are now outselling the mash. <laughs> They have a problem because by observing that them not being able to afford a potato peeler has now created a dish on their menu that is their best selling item on the menu. Um, They've been able to reduce waste in all areas. So they're forever looking at this space and understanding what it means and then understanding that the decisions made, the implications of um, can be quite fruitful to a business. And so when you implement reduction strategies, you must then educate the team. So it's not about taking the person who peels the potatoes and telling them what's going on. It's educating the whole team. It's bringing people on a journey because this waste space, it's all about everyone buying into it. It's not about individuals buying into it. And you'll see more improvement as a result. And then it includes better inventory management. It includes better portion controls, proper storage techniques and staff training. So these are the spaces in which you need to show up for them and ensuring that all of these areas are taken care of as well. Um, and then you're going to monitor the progress because if you implement something and you walk away and go, Grad, sure, I did the training on that. And you come a few weeks later and the training didn't work. That's not the staff member's fault. That's your fault. What was the monitoring of progress? What did you uh, put in place in order to understand how that progress and how that information was received and implemented? And if you didn't do anything, then it's down to you again. You must show up for you. You must show up for you first. Then you could show up for your business. OK, so monitoring progress in all areas is absolutely critical because you're tracking progress. OK, you're tracking what's happening and you're understanding its impact and you're understanding if reduction is occurring, because if it is, you can then evaluate the effectiveness of what it is you've implemented. And then if required, you can make further improvements. Uh, but it's a terrific method for understanding what's going on in your business and getting a handle on it. And so why does this matter? So calculating the waste percentage in all areas of your food business, it's essential for several reasons. It's cost reduction because high levels of waste can lead to significant financial losses. Significant. It's a game changer. Do you want to take a week off? Do you want to go on holidays? Like, I'm not joking. It's you and your business. If you are not implementing cost reduction strategies that make sense to you and your business, well, then I can promise you, you can't afford to go up 
on a holiday so you can't get a better package you can't um do more things with your family and friends i i can assure you that the limitations will remain if you don't implement what it is that i'm telling you and so then we have to think about the sustainability because food waste it has a detrimental impact on the environment it is contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and energy consumption so by reducing waste the restaurant the food business the gastropub the cafe you can then contribute to more sustainable and eco-friendly operation how terrific is that? Staff members, team members are now marching with their feet. They really have no interest in people who aren't doing enough to save the environment. And so if you don't have a waste management system in place, I can promise you, you're going to soon find it harder to employ people who actually buy into your lazy ways. And I say lazy because if you're not making the change and the move away from working in your business to working on your business, I can then tell you that you are going to be left behind. And at the minute with progress, uh, with uh, trends and with what's happening with the industry, you must move at a manageable pace and rate in order to keep up, okay? Uh, you need to have... Um, uh, improved operations. So it's understanding then what your business needs in order to ensure that your waste management is working through. Is it special equipment? Is it special containers? Um, is it special training? What's required? And it is important. It's important to have in place what the business needs um, and to imagine that these cost savings will enhance profitability. It'll improve sustainability. It improves customer satisfaction. Uh, it creates a positive brand image and it gives you competitive advantage. So if you are not looking at waste percentage and if you're not putting in place uh, what's required, so the waste percentage equals amount of waste um, divided by total purchase quantity multiplied by 100 and understanding what's really going on in your business, then you're not getting a proper handle on your business. And it's not fair on you first. It really isn't. You're doing yourself a disservice. You deserve to know this information. You deserve to either find out for yourself or to task somebody with the chore um, uh, as part of their job description. But you deserve this information because it does matter. It does make a difference. It allows you to see your business from the point of view of a business owner and not from what has been happening potentially where you were actually treating yourself as an employee by neglecting so much of what's required from you as a business owner. Uh, so moving on, one of my favourite acronyms actually is an SOP. SOP, SOP. Uh, I'm heard saying it all the time, all the time, all the time. I, I don't know if I can say all the time one more time without you hanging up and turning me off. But uh, standard operating procedures are amazing. So they're step by step instructions and they outline how specific tasks should be performed within a business. And so every business is different. They can be similar. They can be incredibly similar. Um, and if you want a basic SOP, email me Tracy at TracyDaily.com. And I'll email you a standard SOP that you can begin to work from um, immediately and then put your stamp on it, put your business stamp on it. So a standard operating procedure, it's a written document. It's a set of instructions that describe in detail the specific steps to be followed in carrying out a particular task or activity in a consistent and repeatable manner. Really important. So SOPs, they're typically used in business, manufacturing and other settings. So it's not just a food business. These are of immense value in business, in business, full stop. And their need for consistency and efficiency in performing routine tasks. Uh, because if we can't get those well, if we can't get the foundations uh, solidified, well, then we're at nothing. We simply cannot 
imagine growing our business if we can't get this stabilised and fine-tuned. They help to ensure that tasks are carried out in a standardised way. There's a focus on safety, quality and productivities. And so SOPs can be used for a wide range of activities. And in a business, you've got opening, closing, you've got uh, certain duties for each uh, member of the team. Uh, You're managing expectations also through SOPs. So you're highlighting what's required from them as an individual when they accept a job offer. The SOPs are going to be the training manual as well. So it's going to be that step-by-step process that allows them to show up and do their best work. So it's an essential part of doing business well. And so the number of SOPs your food business needs can vary depending on the size of your food business. So the complexity of the operation, the number of staff, uh, you can decide what's too much, what's too little. But I like to call them living documents. So SOPs for me are living documents, which means they grow with you, they amend with you um, and they get better with you. So it's essential to have SOPs for all critical aspects of your business. So food safety, customer service, opening and closing procedures, cash handling. And so typically a food business may have anywhere from 10 to 20 SOPs or even more. So depending on the specific needs of the business, as I said. And so common SOPs for a food business would be opening and closing procedures. And this includes steps for preparing the cafe for the day, the gastropub for the day, the restaurant for the day, the food stall for the day, uh, the food truck for the day and closing it down at night. So it's in point form written down step by step. Then you've got cleaning and sanitation procedures. So this includes the regular cleaning and sanitizing of uh, sanitizing of all surfaces, equipment and utensils in your food business. It's the food preparation procedures. So this includes the steps for preparing and serving food items on the menu. Excuse me, it includes portion control. It can include or must include cooking temperatures and plating instructions. So all the critical piece of information absolutely required for team members and in particular new team members, um, anyone being onboarded, these are absolutely critical for their success. You're giving them the tools required for them to do their best work to show up fully. And also for team members that are there for a while, it just means that they're paying attention to what's required um, and they're absolutely able to follow through on that standardization, that r- repetition piece, which is critical for, um, for a food business to do well. And then you've got cash handling procedures. So handling cash, making change, closing out the cash register uh, at the end of the day, what's required around that. So it's an SOP for each each area of that uh, cash handling procedure. And then it's customer service procedures. So guidelines, how to interact with your customers, how to handle complaints and resolve issues. You never give anyone free reign to show up as they please. It's actually really, really um, unfair of you not to equip your team with these SOPs uh, because what you'll find is that a team member will do the best they can in a moment because you have not trained them. You will then get infuriated and frustrated by them because of how they handled the situation. Well, shame on you for not equipping them in the first place. Okay, so everything falls back on you. You as a food business owner, it is 
you owning any issues even if they're carried out about other people because it is something that you have not taken care of there's a reason for it occurring and it's for you to understand why that is what have you not done uh, as a food business owner operator um, and I know that might seem heavy duty but it is what it is and so every situation that occurs it's a learning situation so it's understanding what's required what needs to be amended what needs to be improved uh, or what needs to be introduced so learning from each situation uh, and not getting upset with the individual or the situation but utilizing it to your advantage to improve is critical uh, you've got employee training procedures so this includes the steps for training new employees and also the aspects of the food business os uh, operation um, so what it is that's required from then within the food business and uh, the inventory management procedures so this includes the steps for your ordering receiving supplies, tracking inventory levels and managing waste. You've got equipment maintenance procedures. So it includes regular maintenance and cleaning of all equipment uh, in your food business um, because its functionality is up to you, no one else. If something breaks down and you haven't uh, an equipment maintenance procedure SOP in place, that's your fault. No one else's. Remember that. Uh, marketing and promotion procedures. This includes steps for promoting the cafe, such as social media marketing, advertising and special events. So what is it that it looks like? And it's about you. The food business owner doesn't actually have to write any SOPs. But what they must do is task the individual staff members uh, to write the SOPs for their position and task them with the this as your guidelines there was nine headings that i called out there um and so tasking them with those headings and what's involved and then it's you as a business owner reviewing them okay so that's the best uh sop is written by the team and reviewed by the owner and then amended and then put into practice by the owner after that and then checked by the owner because you're a checker the owner is checking 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 all of the time and so the purpose of an SOP, so the purpose is it's a clear, concise statement outlining the reason for the SOP's existence. The scope is the description of the processes, the tasks and activities that the SOP applies to. The responsibilities is the list of people responsible for implementing the SOP. And so the procedures is your step by step guide on how to complete the task or process, including the required resources and potential risks. The quality control is a description of the quality control measures that ensure the task or process is completed to the expected standard. The documentation, a list of the required forms, records and other documents required to complete the task or process. Training and supervision is a description of the training and supervision required to ensure the SOP is followed correctly. Uh, review and update, a schedule for reviewing and updating SOP uh, to ensure it remains relevant and accurate is important. And so standard operating procedures are important. They're critical. Uh, important isn't a strong enough word for me for food businesses because they provide the clear outline of the tasks and processes that need to be followed in order to maintain consistency and efficiency in the business. Your SOPs help to ensure that everyone is on the same page and they know what is expected of them, which can then reduce errors. It increases productivity and it improves customer experience. So SOPs are absolutely critical. They cover such a wide range of tasks and processes in your food business. And 
it's not even just opening and closing, cleaning and sanitizing, food and beverage preparation, ordering and inventory, cash handling, customer service, health and safety. It, it's a huge piece, but it's the training required. It's the tools required for your team to show up and do their best work. And it's up to you to, to make sure that that happens because you have to do it through training, through clear communication, through reinforcement, through accountability, through feedback and true continuous improvement. That is your job to ensure all of that. Amazing. So SOPs, they help you to reduce the risk of errors and accidents. Imagine less shit happening, less interruptions. Christ, could you imagine running a business that has less shit happening? Uh, because now your employees have clear guidance on how to perform the task safely and effectively. And additionally, your SOP can help to streamline training for new employees. Imagine. So you're going to have clear guidance on how to perform tasks correctly from the beginning. It's amazing. Such a game changer. Now, leaving that is my favourite acronym. I love the, the letters SOP, SOP, SOP. I'm known for it all the time. I'm going to stop saying it because I appreciate fully its value. And uh, in order to get a business stabilised, uh, you must have SOPs in place. It's as simple as that. Uh, because your systems run your business and your people run your systems. And so if you get that confused, well, then you're never going to come out of it uh, in a good way. So sorry about that. Moving on to another three letter acronym, which is ROI. So return on investment. And this is a measure of the profitability of an investment. So you're calculating by dividing the net profit by the initial cost of the investment. And so it's a financial metric and it's used in food businesses or any business really uh, in order to evaluate the efficiency or profitability of an investment and to compare its effectiveness of different investments. It uh, provides so many valuable insights into the returns generated from the investment relative to its cost. So return on investment, it is expressed as a percentage or a ratio and is calculated by dividing the net profit or return from the investment by the initial cost. So if we look at it, the ROI, so the return on investment equals net, net profit divided by cost of investment multiplied by 100. So net profit is the total profit generated from the investment, which includes revenues minus all expenses related to the investment. And cost of investment is the initial cost or outlay to acquire the investment, including any purchase costs or associated expenses. And so to determine the net profit, you have to calculate the total net profit earned from the investment over specific periods. And period. This can include sales revenue generated minus all expenses directly related, such as the raw materials, labor, marketing costs and overheads. Then you're going to determine the cost of investment and then you're going to calculate the ROI. And so you're going to divide the net profit by the cost of the investment and then multiply the result by 100. And so suppose a food business invests €50,000 into a new food truck and then it generates 75000 in net profit in the first year um, after accounting for all expenses directly related to the food truck. And so to calculate the return of investment, you're going to take 75000 divided by 50000 multiply by 100 which gives you a return of investment equal to 150,000. And so the food business achieved a return on their investment of 150%. 
uh, on the food truck investment. This means that for every euro invested, the business earned a return of one euro fifty. Um, and so it's important to note that the, the the return on investment does not consider the holding period or the passage of time, and it does not account for opportunity costs or of investing elsewhere. Therefore, when you are evaluating the success of an investment in a food business, it's critical to consider the ROI in conjunction with other financial and strategic factors. And so what you want to do is consider talking to your accountant in order to understand the return on investment for you and your business. So the money you made from an investment after subtracting all the costs related to it. So if your new dish brought in, uh, so if we talk about your menu, your new dish that you just brought on, brought in 500 euro in extra revenue, but it cost you 300 euro to prepare it and promote it. Then your net profit is 500 minus 300 equals 200. And so the cost of investment is the total amount of money you spent on the investment. For instance, the total cost of adding a new dish, including ingredients and marketing, and then the cost of that to you. So understanding what that looks like. So we've got 200 euro divided by 300 euro and then then multiply by 100 we have 66.67 percent so the return of investment for adding that new dish to your menu is 66.67 percent this means for every euro you spent on the new dish you earned about 0.67 cent in profit amazing really isn't it if you were to sit down and work out what all of this means to you and your business, understand fully the implications of choices made by your customers to you and your business, understand fully the implications of your decisions, of what you're putting where on your menu. And if you're not menu engineering, then you're doing a disservice because if you don't know this information, then you can't show up fully and maximize and make the most of it. And so the profit percentage that your food business must operate at to be viable and successful it really does depend on several factors and so what type of business is it its location its operating costs its pricing strategies it's the overall industry trends and so this information uh, can provide insights into the profit margins that restaurants typically aim for so the range for food business profit margins usually spans from zero to 15 percent with the average restaurant profit margin falling between 3 and 5%. And so this indicates that your food business or restaurant or cafe should ideally aim for a profit margin of around 3 to 5% to align with the industry average. And so the profit margin for your food business can be as narrow as 2 to 6% after accounting for overhead expenses. And this suggests that the restaurant must be diligent in managing costs and maximising revenue to achieve uh, profitability. And so the return on investment, this may be not something that you want to do yourself, but please do task your accountant or financial advisor with this function because being able to show up and understand what the figures mean to you and your business means that you can make informed decisions. Um, And so running a smarter, more profitable food business. It does involve using various tools and strategies and KPIs because using them will help you optimise your operations. It helps you to increase your revenue. It helps you to minimise costs. And some essential tools and approaches you should consider implementing after this uh, podcast is your inventory management system, system, your point of sales, your POS, your menu engineering, your customer relationship management, your CRM, your financial management software, um, your staff management tools, your online ordering and delivery platforms, your 
data analytics um, and reporting. So those KPIs, your cost control strategies and your market research. And so these are really, really important for you to know what's happening in your business. There's so many other things that your customer, CRM, POS, ERP, COGS, OEE, PNL, SKU, POS, uh, FIFO, NPS, um, SWAT, uh, um, EFTPOS ROI we've spoken about that to do business well there's a lot to it I don't take it for granted that anything that I do say can either trigger you or upset you or force you to take a step back but what I want to challenge you with is for you to show up and all I ask and all I ask is that you take baby, baby steps forward. And I want you to do baby steps forward weekly. Uh, I don't need it to be daily, but I do need it to be weekly. It must be weekly. And then I want that review monthly, three monthly uh, and annually. The baby steps are important because we don't actually have to take on huge chunks of work in order to progress and make changes. If we're in a position where we're working deep in our business and we're not working on our business, well, then the smaller steps we take, but but they have to be consistent. They have to be consistent steps um, that we take. The, the, then the sooner uh, we get into that position of working on our business. And when I say sooner, it's tasking yourself uh, by saying within three months, I must be at this uh, uh, phase with this particular area of my business. Um, so whether that is the customer relationship management piece, whether that's uh, looking into a POS and understanding a POS system and what benefits you're not maximizing on uh, to give yourself a three month plan of uh, I must be at this uh, space in three months regarding this um, POS system and then I'll need you to write down what does that look like so who must I talk to what are the questions I need to ask what training is required what follow-up is required what are the timelines what's the check-in who can I uh, create an accountability partner with because if you're feeling isolated or on your own sometimes it's very hard to make progress and again these baby steps are really important because we want the changes to stick. We want the improvements to stick. And if we go at everything at one time, we're guaranteed that we're going to go immediately back to how it used to be. Uh, so to that automatic pilot that can turn off their brain and just do. And that's how we got into this position in the first place. So I'm very mindful that small steps are huge over time. And that reflection piece in 12 months where we are because of those weekly small steps, that's 52 steps. I can promise you that's a significant change in your business. And so come on that journey with me, either engage with me by sending me emails of what's infuriating you about your business and what you want one of my podcasts to be based on or fucking hire myself services. Uh, Skillnet have funded me for three offerings. It's on my website. It's absolutely immense. I'm so proud of it. I work with different local enterprise offices around the country. I think I'm Westmead, Kildare, uh, West Cork, South Cork, North Cork, uh, Dunleary. 
So if you're any of those places, get in touch with your Leo. Ask them for me as a mentor. Uh, it's fully funded by them. Let's start working together. Uh, if that's not available and Skillnet isn't your choice, let's work together once a month for six months. Let's work together once a month for 12 months. Let's put in place a plan that's realistic and that is mindful of you and your position. Uh, because remember, I had an award-winning cafe. I know what I'm talking about. I've lived through everything you're living through I fully understand the hurdles and the issues I fucking get it I absolutely get it that's why I do what I do so that I can support and hold people up that is the point of what I do I want your dream to be a full reality we just have to get through a number of things first before we can get it into that safer nicer more pleasant space so let's work together some which way so get in touch um, that is all as far as I'm concerned with those acronyms with those tag words um, I, I don't know that I need to do much more in this space. It's a lot uh, and I want to move on to other things now. So in September, I really want to focus on menus. So September is the month for menus. So if you have any questions about menus, shoot them off. Um, help me create the podcast that is of immense value to you. Um, and let's collaborate on that together. So Tracy at TracyDaily.com and it's T-R-A-C-I-E at T-R-A-C-I-E-D-A-L-Y dot com. So Tracy at TracyDaily.com. And thanks for tuning in. I know it's not an easy space and I know you're wearing your heart in your sleeve because this is your blood, sweat and tears and I respect you for that and I understand what that means. So overnight and thanks again. <laughs>